Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. This is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. And once again, we're recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a writer, producer, and director, and a member of the legendary comedy dream team known as Zazz. Zucker, Abrams, and Zucker. You know his films, of course, like Top Secret, Scary Movie 3, 4, and 5, Basketball, The Onion Movie, Ruthless People, The Naked Gun, Naked Gun 2, The Smell of Fear, Naked Gun 3, The Final Insult, and his debut film, Kentucky Fried Movie, which celebrated its 40th anniversary this year, and last but not least, one of the most quotable and beloved comedies in cinema history, 1980's Airplane, voted one of AFI's top 10 comedies of all time and preserved in the Library of Congress National Film Registry. He's also co-created the short-lived but much-admired series Police Squad, starring his friend and frequent collaborator Leslie Nielsen, a show that consistently tops the list of TV series Cancel before their time. You want more from the guy? He's also produced non-comedic films like A Walk in the Clouds and Phone Booth, as well as short films and TV series. In a career spanning five decades, he's worked with a wide assortment of talents such as Peter Cushing, Ernest Borgnine, George Carlin, Bette Midler, William Shatner, Kevin Hart, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, Steve Carell, and Donald Sutherland as the clumsy waiter. We're thrilled to welcome to the podcast a bona fide comedy legend and a man who has never once seen Airplane 2. 
David Zucker. And, and I also never saw Avatar. <laughs> I think that's on my Twitter. Really? Thing. Yeah. How did you manage to avoid seen, that? I don't. I'm just. I don't go to movies that much. Yeah. Because I just don't like them. So uh, <laughs> it's yeah. like I don't like many. You know, I I the my son and his and four of his friends dragged me to this comedy, and this was about three or four years ago, and I was going to bring a book and a flashlight, but. <laughs> But but it turned out to be so, and the comedy was called Bad Grandpa, and I sat there and I loved it. it I laughed harder than with De Niro. I, is it that Bad Grandpa? No, no Bad Grandpa. He did another Grandpa. Movie. Oh, he did this another was, Grandpa. This is Johnny dirty, Knoxville. Dirty Grandpa. This was Bad that, Grandpa with Johnny. Knoxville. Oh, Johnny Knoxville. Yes, really funny, really funny. And then the other one I saw, and I just, you know, I I have to say that I do like some things. Yeah. And, and Bridesmaids I liked. So these are the comedies I liked. Otherwise, I don't think there's there's anything that really interests me about movies. But uh, you know, on TV, it's uh, the Impractical Jokers, who we're we're all fans. Yes, of. that's that's where we met. We, we met were both on the, yeah. on the cruise. Right. Invited by the Impractical Jokers. That's right. And it was a uh, all-gay cruise. So it was, you, know, <laughs> you and I oh, really? were there, and it was a wonderful. Did you just, have a better experience than Gilbert did, I, David? Because he ev- was miserable. Evidently, because he's alone now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so anyways. Yeah. And and you're a birthday boy. Oh, yeah, that's happy my birthday. birthday. It was my birthday on Monday. Happy so, birthday. Along with Tim Robbins and... Uh, uh, Angela Lansbury. Oh, <laughs> she turned 92. October 16th. Yeah, thank God I'm not 92. <laughs> now, we'll have to jump right ahead to the movie, yes, uh, that everybody uh, knows, and that's uh, uh, Airplane. How did that come to be? Well, we that was the first movie we ever wrote. We wrote it actually before we wrote Kentucky Fried Movie. And we, you know, we used to do the, uh, you know, we used to redub, overdub uh, serious '50s black and white movies. And so, you know, like the the kind where the guy would say, uh, "What time is it?" And the guy would, uh, you know, pull out his hand and say, "It's twelve midnight." Very dramatic. And yes. we'd go, we'd have the guy saying, uh, "Where's your hand? It's right here at the end of my wrist." You know, just <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. And so we thought instead of overdubbing a movie. Why don't we actually cast these roles with these stiff, you know, old time, you know, stylized acting? Yes. The and so that's what that's what Airplane was. So we discovered this movie called Zero Hour, which was done in 1957 with Dana Andrews, Linda Darnell, Sterling Hayden, and uh, and so we just we we bought the rights to that movie, and we just filled in the jokes. Because it's funny, I remember I didn't remember seeing Zero Hour. And then it came on TV. Yeah, and, and it's it, the same like, plot. People yeah. get food poisoning, and in in fact, you can on YouTube. People have uh, you could Google uh, or not Google on zero uh, on uh, YouTube. Just put in zero hour airplane, and people have done scene for scene. Oh yeah, yeah. I found it. It's great. Yeah, it it's so. I mean, it's. It's the entire airplane. Yeah, right. Well, we never made any secret of it. We just we just copied this movie because we didn't know how to do a plot or characters or or, or you know scenes or, or story arc, and we you know we proved it in top secret. So, and yeah. I I heard when you first started pitching that movie. 
the studio wanted comedians in it. Well, yeah, they there was a number of uh, mountains to climb there, to barriers, and uh, one was that you know we were three first-time directors directing together. We wanted to make a comedy without comedians, and it was really to Paramount's credit that they ever did this. And I think in the end, uh, you know, the budget was low enough. I think it was like three point two million. And so they just took a flyer on it, and uh, and 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 so we were able to do it. I mean, they 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 did want to cast like Chevy Chase or Bill Murray; those were the the comedians at the time. But uh, we we just wanted to cast all these guys, and they and in fact, uh, only Robert Stack was our first choice. Everybody else was a second or third choice, and I think Leslie Nielsen was fourth on the list. Was Charlton Heston somebody too that you? Yeah, considered? Charlton Heston was yeah. there. And, uh, you know, he turned it down. Uh, Vincent Price turned it down. A lot. Price, Ephraim wow. Zimbalist turned it down. A lot of people uh, passed on it. And uh, so, but, but, and finally, you know, when we finally cast Leslie Nielsen, the casting director at Paramount at the time just blew up. He, he had just had it with us and with the casting these stiffs. And he said, <laughs> Leslie Nielsen? Leslie Nielsen's the guy you cast the night before. And, oh, hilarious. and we were already six weeks out from, from principal photography. I saw Graves, Peter Graves, in a, in a reunion about Airplane about 10 years ago, and he was saying that the script offended him oh, when yeah, he first no, read it. He, he threw it across the room. They all had various reactions. You know, uh, Peter read the script and said, he threw it in the garbage. He said, this is the worst piece of trash I've ever read in my life. Because, you know, it, he didn't really warm to the whole playing a pedophile <laughs> concept. So uh, so Howard Koch was our, our you know, executive producer, godfather, uh, put put on our our team by Paramount, by the studio, to kind of, because we were three directors and they had no idea what was going to happen. So, and he turned up out to be our guy at Paramount. And he called, he called Peter and, uh, as he did, Robert Snack and everybody and said, just come in, meet the boys, as we were became known as, and uh, so he met us, and we, you know, we did our aw shucks. We're just three guys from Wisconsin, and and actually we we were, yeah. so <laughs> so you know, and he agreed to do it. And what what's interesting, you know, you created Airplane, and you also created then the Naked Gun series, which was a takeoff on all the police shows right. and movies, yeah. and then. It seems like every filmmaker watched the success of those and thought, "Oh, okay, I think I know how to make those." <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not as easy as that. Yeah, you know, we we evolved this style over really ten years from from when we started in around around 1970, and it, it really, if I can be serious for two seconds, you know, it does take discipline, mm-hmm. and we even evolved a set of fifteen rules. And, uh, you know, the things that we couldn't do. And we really we really thought about why things were funny. And, and in addition to, we, we had our show, our live show on Pico called Kentucky Fried Theater, which we ran for five years. And, and we really, you know, we thought about how to do this. And it, it, it does take a lot of discipline. And, you know, you can't, you can't just put in jokes willy-nilly and, and do anything. There's a, there's a certain there's a certain uh, of motiv- motivation for. And it. what the other movies seem to do, like I mean, Airplane, 
99% of the people who saw it were not familiar with Zero Hour, but right. you, it was well, still funny. Yeah, they didn't need to. They didn't need to be because it was a, you know, your generic airliner in yes. trouble disaster movie. And there and there had been uh, 100 of them all through the 70s. And so the 80s, you know, the 1980 was a perfect timing to do this. And And what I've noticed with the other movies, it would be like, uh, let's dress someone up like the character in some current movie, and if we all recognize it, uh, that's that's comedy. Yeah, well, that's, you know, we had this, one of our rules was uh, knocking down the posts, so it's not enough to just do the reference, and we had to learn this because there was a scene in Airplane from a movie called Since You Went Away, and one of these 1940s black-and-white movies where the girl is saying goodbye to her soldier boyfriend and he's going away on the train and she's running along the train, running along the platform. Oh, yeah. So we do that in airplane and she's running along the, the runway. And, and so we thought it would get big laughs just to see her running along the plane. People would think, oh, that's, that's funny because it was, it's a spoof on these old 40s movies. But nobody laughed until she started knocking down the posts. Of the you know the platform, oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. so that that was got the laugh. So you can't uh, just doing a reference wasn't enough. So we we tried to learn from from all these things. And you and Jerry and Jim sat down and you had these fifteen rules. Well, well, you knew them. Jim, Jerry, and Jim did very little. It was it was mainly me doing the whole the entire all the movies. And, uh, <laughs> you're supposed to laugh. Okay, the, 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 no, of course I'm kidding. But but uh, yeah, we evolved these rules together through the Kentucky Fried Theater through days. the Kentucky Fried Theater yeah. days. Well. It really, yeah, the rule, the first rule started when some friend of Jim's uh, named Alan Mandel came to, and he was a comedy writer, and this was in 1972 when we did our first show, and he said, yeah, your show is great, but in the uh, 10 minutes in, you do this, such and such a joke, and, and it's a joke on a joke, and you, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. And we, it never occurred to us to even think that there were any kind of rules. So that was our first rules, joke on a joke. Oh, yeah. While Gilbert tries to remember who our guest is. And what's your name? <laughs> a few words from our sponsor. <laughs> oh, Gilbert. Ooh. The holidays are coming up, Gil. Yes. So why not give yourself the gift of Stitcher Premium? They have an incredible Black Friday deal going on that you will not want to miss. You get 50% off your first payment for a limited time when you go to stitcherpremium.com slash Black Friday. Black Friday, also the name of a Karloff uh, yes. Lagosi picture. I remember that one. Uh, and you use the promo code Black Friday. That's $17.50 for an entire year of Stitcher Premium. Such a deal. Spend cozy winter nights binging on shows like The Complete Wedding, Stolen Idea, Hollywood Masterclass, and Questions for Lennon. I'm assuming that's the Lennon sisters. Listen to new episodes each week of premium shows like Big Grande, Teacher's Lounge, as Gilbert's cell phone goes off. Yet again, even though we told him to turn it off. I thought I did. Dozens of times. That's what makes it worse. I thought I did Go turn it off. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash Black Friday and use the promo code. Gilbert, what's the promo code? Uh, 
Gilbert. No, God, it's Black no. Friday. Black Friday. percent off your oh. first payment. Oh, wait, wait. No, no. It's, I, a, it's over. On the next Gilbert and Frank's Colossal Obsessions. I don't know if we talked about this, but I got into a conversation with, um, with Jackie the Joke Man. And you know how in Hollywood Boulevard, she's having a funeral for her pet chimp? Yes, in Sunset Boulevard. Oh, Sunset Boulevard. Right, right. I mean. uh, and according to legend, yeah. these old actresses and rich women oh, I know where in you're going L.A. With would train chimps to go down on them. <laughs> <laughs> and... I will never look at J. Fred Muggs the same way. <laughs> Good boy. But, wow. But now Planet of the Apes gives me a hard knock. Listen, has to call me Johnson. My name is Raymond J. Johnson Jr. Now you can call me Ray, or you can call me Jay, or you can call me Johnny, or you can call me Sonny, or you can call me Juni, or you can call me Ray J, or you can call me RJ, or you can call me RJJ, or you can call me RJJ Jr. But you doesn't have to call me Johnson. And ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening. To Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, wonderful, funny, hysterical podcast. <laughs> Live from Nutmeg Post, we now return to Gilbert and Frank's amazing, colossal podcast. I, I, I noticed with Leslie Nielsen, in the beginning... It was funny because he was the Leslie Nielsen of the B movies. Right. Yeah. And and but then he started to realize, hey, I'm getting laughs. Well, what happened was other directors and filmmakers thought, hey, this guy's funny. And then they just thought Forgot to play put him straight. in the movie as if he were Jerry Lewis. Yeah. And then just let him riff, but but Leslie you know, had a particular skill, uh, you know, within a structured format and doing, you know, the particular jokes like we did in The Naked Gun where he could be successful. But right. if he was put in a position where he had to be funny. Well, he's in the fugitive parody, wrongfully accused, and there's uh-huh. an exorcist one. But they play it broadly, whereas you guys were playing it straight like a genre picture. I I guess so. I, I Yeah, I think... That he he was I think he was good in uh, in in the fugitive parody yeah but uh, but in some of the other ones um, I think it was they played it too broadly yeah because what you did with him was you know it's it's like he was hijacked out of one of his early pictures yeah and well just other directors thought hey let's just put Leslie in a movie and and we're home free so. Oh, didn't really God, work that way. Another one they threw Leslie Nielsen in that's trying to be airplane and Naked Gun and all the others was 
a 2001 a space tragedy or space something like that. Missed that one. I know he was in an Exorcist parody that. called Repossessed. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they were and then there was Dra- the Dracula, the Mel Brooks Dracula movie. Yeah. And and they were all like things of yeah. like, hey, you, we both saw this film. Yeah. So that means uh, satire. Right. You really wanted Robert Stack. You thought Robert Stack was going to be the linchpin. Well, he was the one. We wrote it for Robert Uh Stack. Uh, Everybody else was, you know, was interchangeable. But uh, but but Robert Stack, we we were prepared to camp out on his front lawn until he did it because it was just nobody else that could have that weight. I mean, possibly. Charlton Heston, but Charlton Heston didn't want to do it. So right, and with him, you've got the airport, right, background. And in fact, Universal uh, was not happy about our doing this this parody of their airport series. And so they, it, we actually, George Kennedy was one of our choices for one of the roles, and uh, they they uh, I think they prevented George from doing it. But finally, we we were able to cast him in the Naked Gun. And, um, oh, God, now, um... You're blanking oh, on it. You're not yes. 70 also, are yes. you? <laughs> Jeez, it strikes. You're thinking I of Lloyd Bridges? Of... Yes. Yeah. Oh, I, well, I, I mean, like, the funny thing with Robert Stack is one of the things it seems he was famous for when you watch him, he never smiled. Yeah, he was like... Yeah. He was so deadpan and so humorless in all of his roles. But, you know, in person, he was a wonderful, wonderful person and full of jokes. He was always That's interesting. telling stories and jokes and very proud of having just been in uh, Spielberg's 1941. Oh, he's good in that. Yeah. yeah. He's funny. And he he thought that was going to be a big hit. <laughs> General Stilwell. General yeah. Stilwell. He's funny. Because yeah. he seems like someone, if you met him in real life, he'd be like, you know— a stone. Yeah, but he's but, a great guy. He was a, he was a great guy. Yeah. Did you guys? Is this bullshit? Or did you guys show him a tape of John Biner impersonating him? Robert no, but, but <laughs> <laughs> this is a good question you're asking because what we did we wrote this one line. Uh, it's his ship now, his command. He's the boss, the big cheese, the, and that was from a John Biner routine uh, from I think. Uh, Vaughn Meter's album about uh, oh, wow. JFK. Oh, First wow. Family. First Family. Wow. And he did, he was doing, uh, John Biner was doing Robert Stack, or it was either from that or just John Biner on The Tonight Show or something That's doing fun. So we remembered that, and so we actually wrote it <laughs> for, <laughs> for Robert Stack. And so we get it on the set, and we're, and we're doing the take, and Robert Stack goes, it's his ship now. His command. He's in charge. He's the boss. He said, "No, no, no, Bob. We want you to do it." And we didn't want to say like Elliot Ness. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> so Jerry was following Robert Stack around the set, saying, giving him line readings to be Robert Stack. That's hilarious. I'm, no joke. Yeah, he just uh, and Jerry's doing John Biner to, to Robert Stack. We had John yeah. Biner here. Oh, really? On this show? Yeah. Does he even know this? I don't know. We'll tell him. I, I, he's if in you ever see him, tell him we absolutely use that. We'll reach out. Yeah. He's in I, Florida. I heard that happened with Peter Laurie, where they wanted him to come on and just say, hi, I'm Peter Laurie. And he went, <laughs> hi, I'm Peter Laurie. 
And they said, no, no, it's hey, evil. <laughs> that's, right. so that's the exact story. Yeah, that's it. You have to get these guys. Yeah. I heard Bridges, his kids talked him into doing it, too, that he was similarly reluctant. Yeah, I'm not sure if he was reluctant, but his kids loved the script. And I think, you know, Peter Graves' daughter loved it and his uh-huh. wife loved it. And they were sitting behind me, uh, the, the Graves family, in the, in the, at the premiere. It's the first time they saw it. And they laughed so hard. And Peter laughed along with everybody. And, uh, and, and Stack also loved it. But he was, it was bittersweet for him because he was offered points in, on the back end. Lots of, lots of points. Oh, and he took the money up front instead. Oh, interesting. Oh. So he said, he said, after the premiere, he said, never in my life have I been so wrong about anything, you know, any movie. So and and he and Leslie, they told me later that they they kind of uh, said privately to each other, you know, the shit hitting the fans that that's that's never going to work. That's just never. <laughs> they've gone. The boys have gone too far. It's never going to work. One of the great gags in the film. Yes. And and tell us about uh, one of your favorite films, Airplane Two. Oh yeah, Airplane Two. No, we never saw it. None of us ever saw it. To this so, day, to this it day, takes some doing. But you know, why? You know, but I don't see every movie. That's interesting, and, and you don't even have a perverse curiosity. Don't about even it. have a curiosity. Isn't that yeah. fascinating. And it, it's probably even the opposite. It would it would be painful. Yeah, I can to imagine. watch it, and to watch you know Bob and Julie and uh, and I think uh, Peter and uh, Lloyd were in it. But uh, and we get asked this a lot. You know, we do a Q and A after we screen Airplane. Well, why didn't you see Airplane Two? And Jim Abrams said. Well, if your daughter became a prostitute, would you go watch her work? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> so that's really the that's the accurate thing. Kind of kind of sums I, it up. Yeah, I saw it, and really, all it is is uh, you know the best of airplane. They just repeated. They repeated the jokes. Is there a mad mad bomber thing like Van Heflin in, uh, in, air, yeah. in airport with they, Sonny Bono? They repeat and I, like ninety percent of I've, it. I've never seen it all the way through either. Is a rerun of Airplane. Was yeah. Pete Rose originally in the Kareem? Pete part? Rose was originally written for that that Kareem role, and uh, and and I've I've read some of the old script and it it just didn't go very far. Right and. Uh, and and then and what happened was it was we shot airplane in the summer of seventy nine, and uh, and and it was baseball season and Pete Rose couldn't make it so we had to get uh, Kareem which was another yet another fortunate turn of events, and then we wrote so much more with the whole the whole thing about him not trying to the playoffs and right 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 yeah tell your old man to drag tell Walton and yeah, Lanier up the court just perfect just yeah. great. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations so you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. 
Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you were doing Naked Gun, did O.J. Simpson say at any point that he was planning on killing two people? You know, he never came out and, and said that. <laughs> He's been waiting to ask that question. He was always a nice guy, and, and I, I really didn't know anything about what was going on because I guess he had beat up uh, Nicole a few times. And uh, I, I don't read the papers or know anything that's going on. But, but he, was, he was always nice to everyone except for one time, um, you know, Jerry and Jim and I had an office together in Brentwood. And for our hold music, the phone, instead of music, we played Howard Cosell reading his book. So Howard Cosell's going, the juice was crying on the phone. I told Emmy to talk to him. I couldn't take it any longer. So and so so they all and so I would do that as just a, a, a goof and uh, and they all said you got to do it for OJ. You got to do it for the OJ. I said no, no, I, I don't want to do it. Come on, come on, you got to. So I did, and oh my God, he turned. It just he just suddenly got dark and not the nice OJ we all knew. He just said, "This bullshit, man. Never happened." Bullshit. Never happened. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Kind of a glimpse. He a little glimpse. It yeah. was like I had never seen that side of him before. So he's someone who could who had the the angry side. Definitely. He did have an angry side, evidently. But I mean I never saw it. I, I never saw him socially. I mean I just the last time I ever saw him was the rap party for Naked Gun thirty three and a third. You know, I shook hands, said goodbye, sold him my knife collection, and I was the last <laughs> I ever was it. saw him. I yeah, never saw him again. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's been waiting to ask that since you were booked, yeah. David. Yeah. Let me ask you about another piece of casting because I saw you guys just doing some research. And I'm I sorry, saw... that's the end of the casting questions. Let's move on. <laughs> uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Just go ahead. Saw the three of you guys on an old Letterman yeah. episode, and you and you tortured him, the three yeah, of you, by right. pulling by yeah. pulling out his audition tape. Right. Yeah. For Airplane. So, yeah, we auditioned a, a lot of, a number of people for Airplane. And, and you know, Letterman came in and read. And he was really funny. Um, he even came in to read for Kentucky Fried Movie. And, uh, oh, and I didn't he know that. And he was great in that. Anyway, so um, so he, 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 and we actually screen tested him. But he didn't really want to be an actor. And, and his, uh, and uh, I think Jerry talked to his agent and Jerry said, you know, he was really good. He really made us laugh. He'd be great in the if he did it. And the agent said, fat chance, something like that. You know, he just, uh, David did not want to be an actor. He's right. like, and if you think of it, you know, he is that kind of comic that. He did some variety. He, acting is lying, really. Oh, yeah. And he, you know, I think he's just so real about stuff. 
I he, saw him in one acting part. I think it was Mork and Mindy. Yeah, he did well, a yeah, Mork and Mindy. He's Mork and forever Mindy. embarrassed about it. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. he would turn up. He was in Mary Tyler Moore's variety show, Repertory Company, oh, with Michael so Keaton. He's very embarrassed about it. Yeah. And, ref- and just cringes so, when people bring it up. Yeah. And wasn't he in uh, with the um, 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 uh, Starlight Vocal Band? He was, was in their variety yes. series, the Starland He's, Vocal Band. Yeah. Yeah, before he was a talk show host. I mean, he was a comic in L.A. casting about something. Oh, you yeah. should see some of the stuff Woody Allen did. Oh, yeah. He dressed up as a kangaroo, or yeah, he, he bought, he a, bought a kangaroo. He boxed yeah, a kangaroo. Boxing, it's yeah. ridiculously it's hard to believe now. Humiliating stuff. He's yeah. he's dancing and with a top hat and cane. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah it's when really, you see interiors, yeah. you can't imagine that he was boxing a kangaroo. Oh yes. Yeah, but everybody had something embarrassing. <laughs> Tell us about Barbara Billingsley and the and the jive scene, which I guess is a scene you in a movie that you can't do nowadays, probably. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We get that question sometimes. Who knows? I mean, it's just you know, 1980 was you know one particular space and time, and and at, at the time, you know, we we wanted to, you know, we just we wanted it. That was pushing the envelope, and we wanted to do something on on this uh, black jive, and so. Mm-hmm. Who's the whitest person on the planet? Probably, you know, <laughs> Barbara Billingsley or or Harriet Nelson, as it turns out. Right. So, and actually, we we uh, met with Harriet Nelson first. You did, yeah. That's wild. You no, know, she turned it down. It's a little bit too edgy for oh, her. Oh yeah. So, but Barbara Billingsley was totally uh, game for it. So. Can I get you something? Some more folk buttering into the bone, Jane. Up. Tighten me. I'm sorry, I don't understand. Cuddy say can't hang. Oh, Stewardess, I speak jive. Oh, good. He said that he's in great pain and he wants to know if you can help him. All right, would you tell him to just relax and I'll be back as soon as I can with some medicine? Just hang loose, blood. She's gonna catch up on the rebound on the med side. What it is, big mama? My mama didn't raise no dummies. I duck a rap. Cut me some I love this trivia too. The is it the actors when you, you were having trouble casting the people to do the voices over the the announcements at LAX? Yeah. Well, we didn't. It wasn't trouble. We just, you know, it, we cast. We wanted to uh, cast voices that sounded like those uh, recorded announcements. So it turned out that it, it was the, the the husband and wife team that sold the equipment to the airport that does these announcements. <laughs> and so it. so we did and and the and uh, the the dialogue was from a uh, you know from a, a bad uh, B level uh, novel. It was yeah from a yeah one of these mm-hmm. romance novels. Mm-hmm. So they're talking about, you know, Vernon, tell the truth. You want me to have an abortion? And, you know, it's just, it was just, we just copied it right from there. And your mom's in the film. She has. And my a- mom's in that and every and 17 other right, movies. Right. And uh, she's, the, my mom's the lady who's trying to uh, apply lipstick and it's just, it smears on her cheek. Yeah. And now Naked Gun. And in was- Naked Gun, she was, she was Ricardo Montalban's assistant assistant the one that says i must kill pap schmear right. <laughs> that's my mom that's great that's great 
Of course, she's dead now. You you guys had to bring that up. It yeah. kind of brings me down a little bit. <laughs> you, I was not... having fun until now. You guys used a lot of family members. We did. My sister, my sister's in every movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. She's, I uh, remember. Yeah. yeah. And there was a beaver thing, because Tony Dow, we because were, of the connection between Barbara Billingsley. It was Billingsley. our favorite show, yeah. Leave it to Beaver, and, and Jerry and I were in many ways, you know, Beaver and Wally. Right. Yeah. I remember Jerry. Is it Jerry playing playing uh, playing Beaver? Jerry played Beaver yeah. in the with, in with the Tony Dow. In Kentucky Fried right. movie <laughs> right. with Tony Dow. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, right. Let's talk about Kentucky Fried uh, sure. Kentucky Fried Theater, which started in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. And that's how far the three of you guys go back mm-hmm. to high school, actually. To high school, we all knew each other in high school. Of course, I don't think Jerry was even in the high school, not even in seventh grade when Jim was a senior. I was probably in eighth grade. Jim was a senior. But our families were friends. Uh, our fathers were actually business partners. It, it, was a, um, it was a real estate firm called Abrahams and Zucker. And our mothers were close friends. And our sisters were college roommates. So the families were really close. And the families would get together. And more often than not, Jim and Jerry and I would end up in our basement rec room playing ping pong and just talking and, you know, Sharing, we really did have a, a shared sense of humor, and it did come from Milwaukee. You know, Milwaukee was a place where things didn't come from; they came to. And so, you know, and I think the Kentucky Fried Theater was our way of throwing everything back. It was all it was satires on media, not not politics at all. We just we were doing. We thought what was funny was was the uh, was the media. What we were seeing in TV and the in the movies, pop there, culture. There was a there was a student newspaper review, yeah. That kind of, that kind of turned you guys in a in a positive direction. Well, our first show was a disaster. Tech problems. Actually, tech problems, and because we, Jerry and and Dick Chudnow, one of our original partners, lived in Madison, and they they were in school there, and then Jim and I lived in Milwaukee. Uh, and so we put this show together in two different cities, and we had never rehearsed it all the way through. So <laughs> after after 25 minutes, we were out of material, and it was an hour-and-a-half show. Right. <laughs> so we called a hasty conference, and we decided, well, we'll call it intermission. Oh, smart. <laughs> and our, our other partner, Dick Chudnow, was brilliant at improv, and he kept the audience entertained for like an hour uh, with improv and games, and while Jerry, Jerry and Jim and I were debating how much money to refund, <laughs> we just <laughs> totally panicked. We just Hilarious. totally lost it. Yeah, but anyway, so we thought it was a disaster, and so there was a review in the school newspaper that said, "This is an amazing show. It's great," and wow. it kind of saved us. This this one review, and Fate. so. We we got we had the you know the confidence and you know to to go on so uh, so we we got a permanent theater which was you know we remodeled from the back of a bookstore uh, just off campus and we called it the the Kentucky Fried Theater. How long did you guys stay in Madison before you made the the move to? We were one to year LA? in Madison, and I remember we could only charge one dollar a ticket, and there were seventy seats, and we were able to buy videotape equipment. Now, we weren't be able. We weren't able to pay our salaries or anything. Right. We paid the rent, so we loaded up a U-Haul trunk truck and and moved to L.A. Topeka. Topeka Boulevard, yeah. where 
we found an old warehouse that we remodeled into a theater. This time it was 150 seats. And that was that was very good. We could charge two dollars a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> did you have movie aspirations at this point? I mean, the, the, the airplane script was know, already. We, we didn't know really what we were going to be. We thought we were going to be a performing group. There used to be this group that appeared on the Tonight Show uh, every couple of weeks called Ace Trucking. Oh, sure, Cars. sure. And with we Patty thought, Deutsch and uh, I guess, yeah. and there was a fat guy. And was, was Billy this. Saluga in the Ace Trucking? I company? think so. I think he was. And we thought, you know, they were funny, but we thought we could do that. You know, there's, you know, there's something we could do. So that's one of the reasons why we moved out to L.A. So sure enough, Tonight Show came. They they saw the show. We had an audition with, along with the Pitchell players and uh, the committee. And Kentucky Committee. Fight Theater. Wow. And uh, and we got the gig. So we were on the we were on the Tonight Show. But you know, it 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 just it didn't set the world on fire, you know, because our stuff really didn't come off on TV. I saw you guys on the Midnight Special. Yeah, we were on in a Midnight 1974. Special. That's yeah. the first time I saw you guys. Right. Oh really? You yeah. really yeah. Yeah. Bert Sugarman's Midnight Special. Yeah. I, we were in a, a bunch of other shows. And I used to say, you know, we made a joint decision with the networks not to do any more television. So, you know, just we decided to do it. So we recast the show, and we did a show called, uh, and we, we recast it with four of the actors uh, from the show and, uh, and, and called the show My Nose so that our li- listing in the L.A. Times calendar section would read, My Nose Runs Continuously. And that's, <laughs> what, that's, what, you know, that's our way of, yeah. So... Uh, and so that and that year, then we re, we wrote airplane. We wrote the script to airplane, and so and then we couldn't sell it. Nobody would finance it, so we decided to, we just you know did the we did a a combination of the first show that we did, which was called Vegetables and Beating a Dead Horse, and called it uh, no no that we my nose and vegetables we combined to be a, a new show called Beating a Dead Horse. That was. And, and, and so that's what we did in mm-hmm. 1976. And Naked Gun actually started as a TV series. Yeah, sure that was did. a TV series because we, after Airplane, we were, we didn't have a any we didn't have an idea of what to do. So uh, we loved this. Uh, there was an old uh, TV sh- series called M Squad with Lee Marvin. Uh, with Lee Marvin, yeah, and he was the template. You know, he was the Robert Stack character and so that's we cast leslie nielsen that call it police squad and then you know and made it in color uh, in color a spoof (laughs) on all those quinn martin shows (laughs) police squad in color right great gag tonight's guest star and we showed the guest star would be killed in the first two minutes yep yep and so that was a budgetary matter so uh it's a little m squad a little felony squad kind of a i don't know i don't know that we did felony squad but but you, you got the guy that did the quinn martin yeah, we got did the actual Quid Martin. Sims, wasn't his yeah. name? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm sure he's dead now. He yes. may be dead. Yeah. How many episodes did you actually do? We we shot six episodes, and it was canceled after four. And they couldn't cancel it fast enough. They, <laughs> they, 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 they showed the next, the last two episodes during the summer. And, you know, there was an outcry, I think, from the, the critics, because they, they liked it, and... There was a press conference in which the head of ABC, Tony Thermopolis, had to answer for this. And he said, 
Police Squad didn't work because you had to watch it. You know, yeah, famous. Quote. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> great a, quote. a show you had to actually sit and watch. Yeah. Now, when so when you announced you were going to make Police Squad into a movie, you must have had people going, "What from that?" Well, it wasn't. You know, we we went into it, this was after we did um, Top Secret and Ruthless People, and then. We were kind of, at that point, Jerry and Jim and I were going off in our separate directions. And so uh, Jerry wanted to do Ghost, and he started working on that. Jim did a movie called Big Business. Oh, yeah, with Bette Midler. And, with Bette Midler yeah. and Lily Tomlin. And I wanted to do, I really wanted to do Police Squad as a movie. And, and, and what we needed was to do a real plot character and story arc. And so, you know, we were able, we learned from doing uh, Ruthless People with Dale Launer and just... Because you guys didn't write Ruthless People. We didn't write that out. Ruthless yeah. People. Yeah. Dale Launer did. And, uh, and, 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 you know, we didn't write the plot to Airplane. I mean, we just, we thought we knew what we were doing. We, we really didn't. So we went back and, uh, and so we, we, did, we did the plot and we did, we did The Naked Gun. And Jerry and Jim and I and Pat Proft each wrote a quarter of the the naked gun the first draft and then i took it and wrote the next you know 10 or 20 drafts and then and kept writing every day on the set and so uh and that became the naked gun and then and that became a franchise it was it was very successful it's it may be one of the few successful film franchises spun off from a, a from a, a failed, failed TV, TV series. Show. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's know another there one. There was another one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of a unique but, you know, situation. We pitched, we pitched it to Paramount with Frank Mancuso, and it, it was the easiest pitch we ever had. He just said, "Yes, let's do it." You you think they go? You think they was what? Are you crazy? But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, the series is funny. I mean, and there's so the much. There's so much going for it. Ira Newborn's and, music is great. Yeah, it the just theme wasn't song. right for TV. Just yeah, it just wasn't. You know, we were making you know uh, little half hour movies, and and people don't watch TV the way they watch movies. And yeah. so I guess in a TV show, you need you know you watch in your house, you know, without an audience there, and it probably needs a laugh track. And you want to see another family on TV. And we were, you know, kind of not doing all those rules. It's possible that today with there's so many different things on TV, maybe it would be it would be more successful. Well, you have a different landscape now. You had three it's, net we yeah, had three com- networks. Yeah, yeah, three networks. Uh, yes. You could conceive of it now as a showtime show or an HBO show or, yeah. or, or you think that it would Netflix. have succeeded with only three networks. It right. was, <laughs> but no. Yeah. So I don't I, I can't make any other excuses for it except that it really didn't work. It's so hip, so, David. You watch yeah, it even now know, and it's yeah. and so it's time. Even with well, all my flops I just say they're ahead of their time. Well that one was. Yeah. So even with no competition. No competition. <laughs> it was like it was gone after four episodes. <laughs> Yikes. Do you feel up to any questions? I'll try. Where were you when all this happened? I was right here at my desk working. And when was the first time you noticed something was wrong? Well, when I first heard the shot, and as I turned, Jim fell. Uh, he's a teller, Frank. But Jim Fell's a teller? No, Jim Johnson. Who's Jim Fell? But he's the auditor, Frank. He had the flu, so Jim filled in. Phil who? Phil did, and he's the night watchman, Frank. <laughs> the bully Phil had been here. Right, now, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. 
Forrest came in and shot the teller and Jim fell. No, he only shot the teller. Jim Johnson fell as ill. Okay, then after he shot the teller, you shot twice. No, I only shot once. Twice is the hold-up man. Then I guess I did shoot twice. Well, so now you're changing your story. No, I shot twice after Jim fell. You shot twice and Jim fell? No, Jim fell first, and then I shot twice once. Well, who fired twice? Once. Now, he's the owner of the tire company, Frank. Okay. Uh, once is the owner of the tire company, and he fired twice. Then twice shot the teller once. Twice. And Jim fell, and then you fired twice. Once. Okay. All right, that'll be all for now, Miss Decker. Now, we'll need you to make a formal statement down at the station. Oh, of course. You've been very helpful. We think we know how he did it. Oh, how he couldn't have done it. He hasn't been in for weeks. Well, thank you again, Miss Decker. Why didn't George Kennedy do this one either? Was he approached again? or Because Alan North plays the part that George Kennedy winds up playing. I don't know. In the, I don't know in the, why. In the yeah. franchise. Yeah. I think we wanted to save money, I think. You, you know, Alan there also North wasn't a lot of absurdism in primetime television at that no, time. No, there was you know, nothing, nothing like, like it. Nothing like This it. was absurdism, nothing like which it. was barely started in the movies. I mean, we, we, That's we what were I mean. doing it in the movies, and it was... With Rex Hamilton as Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, I mean, and like, just like, I think television audiences watch and say, what is this? Right. You know, Lincoln gets yeah. shot at in, 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 in every, every opening sequence. Lincoln returns fire. <laughs> he returns fire. There's <laughs> just so much going for it. And they really, they really hold up quite well. The DVD uh, uh, set is great, even though there's only six. Yeah. You, 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 you want to watch them over and, and over and, again. And the best jokes we've used in the naked guns like you know when right. when they walk from one room to the other and leslie goes outside the set and passes the, and and when he and al with the, the al the guy whose head is out of frame mm-hmm. and he says you got something on the side of your mouth al no the other side and then a, a whole chunk of banana falls down there had been spoofs i mean there had been things like at smart but there what but the way what you guys were doing it was different you were yeah. you were breaking the fourth wall in every conceivable way you were yeah. doing like I said, uh, surrealism. Yeah, it was in, in prime was, time. Yeah, because uh, what you know was things that have been called spoofs that really weren't. It's kind of like well, like well, the, I think yeah. well, you mean since airplane or before no, airplane? Before, yeah. before. Well, you know, Mel Brooks did Blazing Saddles, sure. which was really sure a spoof on westerns, but he did it with comedians. And Young Frankenstein was a spoof on those horror movies. Um, but it was also with comedians, and they were funny, but it, it completely different style. We yeah, we yours totally was a different animal. It, yeah. And and what also used to be called, like when they call Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, is right. It's just That's, you're combining. Yeah, that was a yeah. I suppose that was a spoof, but not not in yeah. the airplane way. Because they yeah. weren't really. They were respectful of the yeah. With so these two guys, well, it was like. Chevy Chase and Aykroyd did a movie called Spies Like Us. Sure. And there were some very funny things in that. John Landis. And because they, yeah. And they, it was ostensibly they were spies in a serious thing, but they were doing these routines much like Hope and Crosby. It's sort of a Hope and Crosby yeah. movie. Yeah, which Ishtar was intending to be also a Hope, a Hope and Crosby movie. Yeah, but movie. you still need comedians. You need Chevy Chase, who's... You, Yep. You know, if you watch Chevy Chase in those movies, he's amazing. He's so funny. He's so amazing. Because he, he looks like he he's another of, like, that professionals of 
Uh, he looks like he's doing nothing. Yeah, effortless. It's like, you know, in, in acting, you know, Steve McQueen could act and, you know, as though he wasn't trying at all. You know, the the best actors are just effortless. And, and Chevy was actually intrinsically funny and didn't have to try. I don't think Aykroyd, Aykroyd was very successful at it, but didn't have those kind of chops. Interesting. And, and I remember sitting at a table and I heard two people talking and one said, was Jack Benny ever funny? And the other one said, no, they were funny people on the show and he just kind of stood there. And I thought yeah. missing the missing the whole thing. Point. It's like missing the talent of Mary Tyler Moore, who yes, she played Mary Tyler Moore, but you know, and she was surrounded by crazies. But but she was a master. Well, she had to be the straight man, but she, she also had to be funny. She was, and she was funny. Yeah, yeah. she was very funny. Yeah. It, it's just like they tend to ignore the straight men in comedy teams. Like, oh, it's the funny guy. Who's yeah, Dean Martin stuff. was so good. Yeah, yes, that's a good example. Yeah. Bud Abbott, too. Bud, Bud Abbott, yeah. yeah. Bud Abbott, Underrated. I thought, was when you really watch those Abbott and Costello movies, yeah. Bud Abbott, it's hysterical. Yeah. Well, even when you're watching Burns and Allen. Oh, yeah. And she's getting but, the laughs, but he's yes. but, you know, the, goddamn good at what he does. The, you know, who's on first is an interesting routine because um, Costello is the funny guy. He's yeah. the crazy funny guy, but he's the straight man in it. Yes. And Bud Abbott is the serious one, and he's doing the funny line. Never thought of that. That's interesting. It's a complete reversal, and it's the only instance that I can ever remember where anyone did that. That that's true, and it, it's also like. So you guys had never thought of this before. No, you, that's, you, this no. is I'm brilliant. That's pretty heady actually. stuff. Yes, right. And what what's also funny about it is, the premise itself is completely ridiculous that they'd have these names, yeah. but Abbott sells it. He sells it, and yep. I don't remember that ever being done before. I mean, we've you know copied that, you know, and other people have. I mean, we did you know. Our, we've done a who's on first in every almost every movie that we did. You know, start with uh, airplane. Well, we we did in Kentucky Fried Movie. We we did uh, who who are these? These are just lost drunken men who don't know who they are and no longer care. And who are these men? These are these are lost men who know where they are and care, but don't drink. You know, it's just like so. It's kind of that. Well, and these are men who know where they in car, but as yeah, you know, but it kept going. You know, we just played with words, and then in airplane, I think we did. Uh, how soon can we land? I can't tell. You can tell me. I'm a doctor. So it's that <laughs> yeah. word. Well, you've play. also got Roger over and, and hold Roger the mayo over. That's the yes. And, and all that, of that over stuff. Roger. Yeah. That stuff. So we've always been fascinated with that, with with those words, and even you know the, a lot of that stuff. You know, with the way things sound. Uh, you know, don't call me Shirley. Those yes. those kind of. I One guess. of the fun things about Airplane is every imaginable kind of comedy is it's, in there. There's a lot of, yeah. There's it's sight not gags. just physical. It's sight gags. Yeah, it's, uh, and and then we did some weirdness like the this Robert Stack mirror scene where he steps right. through a mirror because we always wanted yes. to do stuff like that. And then we did a lot of that in Top Secret. Yeah. There's a, there's a well you play with you, you play with perspective in Top Secret. There's the giant phone. That's there's right, the, the giant phone, the and, magnifying yeah. glass with yeah, that's with, right. with yeah, Peter Cushing. All that stuff just it's so the visual puns. Yeah, and yeah. we just had and so much fun doing that. There's one takeoff on that line you've you've heard in a million movies, and it's like he's being held captive, 
and they say, you know, the foreign guy says, you have become, how do you say, <laughs> irreplaceable. Indispensable? Indispensable. <laughs> and Val Kilmer says, indispensable. <laughs> and the guy says, that's what I thought. Yes. <laughs> How are those actors do? <laughs> because they always say, how do you say? Yes. It's like, yeah, the accent, guys. Yeah. How are those actors doing comedy? I mean, Omar Sharif and Peter Cushing. Of, yeah, they of all, all love, first of all, they never get to do comedy, so right. they all love it. And so that's why Stack wanted to do it. I think Graves, despite, you know, his misgivings about the script. And they all wanted to, they all want to do comedy. Everybody wants to have fun, so. Oh, and one Joe, that I think you used in two of your movies, and it's certainly in Top Top Secret, is they go in a room, and there's boxes there, and one says, like, uh, explosive, uh, dynamite, and the next box says, a (laughs) must-see. So it was like blurbs. Is that in Top Secret? I don't think you. That may have been from Airplane Two. Yeah, I think I'm done here now. <laughs> <laughs> You've confused your 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 Zucker picture with I your Zucker think, ripoff. But I think really? there were two. In the I don't remember that gag. But you know, some people come up to me and it say, "I saw your Airplane movie. The funniest gag is," and then they'll say something that I never heard of. It's <laughs> from Airplane Two. <laughs> the underwater fight yeah. scene. Is is just I mean yeah, how you guys even thought of that and then managed to execute it? Yeah, yeah, that was done. Of course, you know, like a minute and a half at a time, <laughs> and and uh, you know we undercrank the the film so it's that great. it would go slightly faster. And Kilmer talking about committing, you you know, you're talking about yes. uh, the, his 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 commitment. And was he a Kentucky Fried Theater fan? He was. He, yeah, he was a big ZAZ fan. He uh-huh. loved Airplane and Kentucky Fried Movie and. We 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 were casting. We were trying to find somebody to play Nick Rivers, and Jerry and Jim and I uh, went to New York, and we saw a, a play, an off Broadway play called Slab Boys, with Val and Sean Penn and some somebody else who was later became very well known. He's great in the picture. And he really commits. Yeah, he, yeah, he's great. And you had no trouble with Val Kilmer. Well, I wouldn't say no trouble. <laughs> You know, he was, you know, Val was, uh, you know, he was kind of quiet and he would have his moods. You know, you'd never know which Val we'd get. But, you know, we all liked him and we had we, we had a lot of fun doing it. And then later we thought back on it. We thought, well, maybe it was because we really didn't write him a character. He had no character. You know, actors really need to play a character. Yeah. And. You know, we you know we took the wrong lessons from airplane. We just thought, well, you just fill you know eighty five minutes with jokes, and that's what we have to do. So, but there was no he didn't really have a character, so that that may have been part of the problem. But I I you know he 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 was a little moody, and I remember one time you know we were at a party together and we were just sitting on the side together, and I didn't have much of a relationship with him, and and. Uh, the, you know, the, and and I was just, and I just, I was just in some kind of a mood that night. And I said, I hate everyone. And he turned to me and said, hey. And that was like, he connected with me. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I hate everybody. And he, it's like he was, for one night, he just, he just, we had, we had a great time. And we talked. <laughs> and like, we bonded, yeah. 
Are you aware there's a movie, a documentary called Jews in Baseball that opens with the scene from Airplane? I did not know that. Yeah, that opens with the scene, the great oh, Jewish, really? the great Jewish yeah, sports legends. Pamphlet? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jewish yeah, sports yeah. legends. Yeah, which Gilbert appreciates. I want some, like, light reading or, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a tiny book. I didn't Jews know that. And... Yeah. Going back to Kentucky Fried Movie, and I'm sure you guys get asked this a lot. I mean, you just did a, was it in April or June? You did a, you did a 40th yeah, anniversary. Yeah, it was one of those anniversaries. Yeah, I think we did it at uh, somewhere in L.A. Yeah. How much from Kentucky Fried Theater survived and found its way into the movie? Was Fistful of Yen in the in the stage show? No, that was, no Fistful oh. of Yen was completely new for the movie. But uh, you know, the we did the sex record. Uh, that was that's a good one. Yeah, that that was from the stage show. And yeah, Big Jim Slate we did on stage. <laughs> and and there was a bunch of things from from Cleopatra Schwartz was No, that, that was also, that was for the, for the movie. That was for the movie. But there was Danger Seekers. That that's was a, yeah. That's a bold one. There's an uh, out in the edge there. There's a ballsy piece of comedy. Yeah, and then and that was from the show. <laughs> and yeah, there's I think about half the material from and then Jacques Cousteau, that that, that thing yep. where the the mic goes. We did that on stage, and the um, the the couple making out watching the newscaster. We did that on stage with it. We had a monitor, a TV monitor mounted on stage. So you kind of had an idea. We we know we know what works. We yeah, have enough we, that we, we know knew what works. half the stuff was going to work, and then we just the other stuff. We just you know we were confident, and uh, and I think and John Landis added jokes. <clears throat> you know that where the the lady is uh, the TV host has the little gerbil, mm-hmm. and she says, that's very cute and everything. He says, now now, what are we bringing out here next? And she just throws it over her shoulder, <laughs> just throws it away. That was completely Landis. And so he he added a lot of great you stuff. You guys had never been on a film set at that point. We had never been. And there's Bill Bixby and George Lazenby and Donald Sutherland. Yeah, and, and uh, we didn't know what a director did. or what, And so Landis took us through every phase of the whole thing uh, from – Pre-production, casting, uh, you know the actual directing, and uh, and you know to his credit, he took a lot of our suggestions. You know we were all back on the watching the monitor and making suggestions, and he you know he didn't take all of them, but he, you know he you know for a director, yeah, he was pretty good about it. Yeah, I say I have to say even by twenty seventeen standards, and I'll say this to our listeners if they haven't seen it, it's still pretty ballsy. It's still pretty edgy. I think you know half of it still works if you can watch the the right half of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, and the commercial parodies yeah, the are good. You guys good. knew how yeah. to do those. Yeah, we just and a lot of them we had done. You know, like uh, household orders we did great. on stage. You know, so we do, uh, that we did video on stage. We had a video monitor. So now Donald Sutherland, I heard, is another one of those guys who could be in any mood. Well, I I don't know because that was. Completely through Landis. Yeah, John knew him, right. had worked with him, and then he was just there for one day. And oh, the clumsy, I, the I barely waiter. said hello. Yeah, yeah, but he was such a big star; it was amazing. Oh, yes. We got Donald Sutherland. <clears throat> I didn't even get my picture with him. Yeah, you got you guys for some are... reason. We spent Jerry and I spent an hour with Bob Hope here wow. in New York, and this was in 1982, I think, and uh, he. Told dirty jokes. What the was whole the context? Time. Why? Why? He we, um, he had seen Airplane. He he liked Airplane, and we knew uh, Rick Ludwin, who knew Bob Hope, did, did uh, produced a lot of his specials, and so we said, yeah, we'd love to meet Bob Hope. So 
he arranged it, and we spent an hour with Bob Hope. But the reason I'm mentioning it is because this was before cell, home, cell phones, where routinely you'd take a picture. Right, of course. And so we don't have a picture with Bob Hope. So, Well, I, I always think whenever they mention the Zabruda film, I think there's one biggest moment, one of the biggest moments in history, and there's a grainy little Yeah, just one film. guy filming yeah. now, yeah, if that happened maker. today. From every single angle. Yeah, from angle. every single angle, there would be a million, yeah. There'd be too many. Yeah, there'd be to too watch. many, yeah. I found this This was fun in my research, uh, David. You you were skeptical about uh, about Jerry doing ghosts? You, you, you... Yeah. He was, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have to preface this with saying, I wanted to do Naked Gun. And he said, do you really want to go back to that stuff? <laughs> so I wanna, to and then squad. he gives me Ghost. I read the script and said, I don't know. I, I don't get it. You know, no matter how you slice it, you end up with a dead guy at the end. Right, pretty much. <laughs> like, you know, how smart was that? So, you know, so we, we have not been each other's best cheerleader and, you know, guide to, to what to do. You have different so, ideas. Of we what have make different good ideas. Movies. Yeah, totally. But. I think I just, it's hard for me. I hate reading scripts. It's just so hard for me to concentrate on a script. And also, you know, what Jerry did with that in the casting and the direction and, uh, you know, he added so much to it and it was it was so entertaining. And Bruce Rubin, who's a great guy, and I got to, to know, um, the the story is when, when he, you know, his baby, you know, his, he wrote this script when he heard that Jerry Zucker was going to direct it he cried really yeah because here's this goofball <laughs> airplane you know shit hitting wow. the fan crazy guy wow and uh so then and Jerry knew that that you know, Bruce had misgivings so uh Jerry said Bruce let's just go out to dinner or or maybe Bruce said let's just go out to dinner not talk about the movie or anything just go out to dinner so they did and they, yeah, they just. I like Jacob's were, Ladder too, which he wrote, which br- br- yeah. Bruce Bruce Joel Rubin, right? Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Yes, yeah, pretty good and movie. Another person from the Naked Gun movies, much like OJ, to go on to Scandal, you had Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah, she was. Yeah, and well, she was in uh, Naked Gun three and. Uh, you know, the the first time she read for the part, you know, we put her on tape and everybody thought, oh, it's too bad, you, you know, she can't do it. And so I said, wait a minute, let me let me work with her for, you know, 20 minutes. So we went into the room, I you know, I, I got her, I told her how I wanted her to do the part and uh, and she went back and everybody thought, yeah, she can do it. Yeah, it's okay, <laughs> so she's fine. And then, you know, later... You know, I I premiered the movie at the White House. I went to I was invited by Bill and Hillary because Bill was a fan of the Naked Guns, and so this was in 1993 before any of the scandals broke. I guess some people, somebody had told me this guy's got a zipper problem. Evidently, that means you know he's going to screw around a lot. So, but I I didn't know anything about that. So he corners me before the screening and he says uh so uh david you know the uh the the girl in the movie what's what's the name of the girl in the movie and i said uh priscilla presley 
It's like I'm such a Boy Scout. It's like, it's like, and so he said, "No, no, the the other girl." The uh, I said, "Oh, you mean uh, Anna Nicole Smith?" And he said, "Yes, yeah, that's the one." And then, and I'm going, I'm just, I just don't have anything to say. I have nothing to add. So he says, she's the guest jeans girl, right? And I go, right, yes. Again, what am I going to say? She like, I said, I said probably seven words to her the whole time that we were on the set. I didn't, you know, I I didn't know her really. But, uh, and so he said, you know, one time on Air Force One, you know, I went into my stateroom and I closed the door and they had put her fold out on the inside of the door. <laughs> and so I go, I've got that smile, that Woody Allen smile during oh, Annie Hall. Like, yeah. He's got, like, the, he's got the, the glued on smile. Yeah. And I said, great. And I still don't say it. I didn't. It was years later when I realized that he wanted me to set set him up. And so I, I'm such a dope. I just, I could have double dated with the president. He, he would have gotten me some girl, you know. I I just and I just totally passed it up. And, and I didn't know. I was just I was pretty much straight out of Milwaukee. I think I had no idea that the president would be inter- interested in some woman other than his wife. Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, he's better remembered for that stuff. For that, yeah. Than than, anything yeah, he did the, in yeah, yeah. Let me ask you a question from one of our listeners, David. This is a thing we do on Patreon. Yeah. Uh, this is from Frank Salerno. I wanted to know, is David still interested in his Davy Crockett project? And has he ever discussed the Alamo with Phil Collins? I guess uh, Phil Collins is yeah. an Alamo enthusiast. <laughs> no, no and no. You know, like <laughs> for a long time I was like obsessed with Davy Crockett and – you know, it's something I, I I became a collector. I have four Davy Crockett letters. I you know I've gotten to know some amazing people. You know, this this professor of history at University of New Mexico called uh, named Paul Hutton, who's one of my best friends now. And so we wrote a movie when we were at Sony, and but it just never. It's just hard to do that uh, to make a a biopic out of a guy's life who doesn't really fit into three acts. So, uh, so the movie never got made, and uh, so I, I, I just kind of gave up on it. Right, you yeah. would do it straight as a drama. Well, I was going to do it straight as a drama, but there would be funny parts to it because Davy Crockett himself was—he was a, a very funny humorous. He was like the Will Rogers of his day, or Mark Twain, and he would entertain audiences by making them laugh. And he wrote an autobiography that was funny and, you know, one of the first biographies to really use that vernacular frontier dialect. So, and he had an amazing life. I think it still would make a good picture, but probably not a movie. I don't think you could fit it into even three hours to tell the story. So it could be a miniseries. But, you know, right now, I I think I, I have to... You know, I have to work on other things and then come back to that maybe. Interesting. Yeah. There was another actress. Oh, she was in that same Naked Gun with Anna Nicole. And that was uh, who I always liked her, Kathleen Freeman. Yeah, that sounds familiar. She was in three. Uh, she was yes. paid Ma Barker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She worked lady. with Jerry Lewis a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah she was great. I mean, I, I don't remember too much, but yeah, she was perfect. I remember there's yeah. a scene, Anna Nicole Smith is in some sexy bathing suit, and she's yeah. very buxom and everything. And Kathleen Freeman says, 
Why are you wearing my bathing suit? Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of those lines are are Pat Proft. Uh, and then if Phil Collins, I'd love to meet Phil Collins, but I don't. He's I, apparently also obsessed he's with a, the album. He also is a letter. He collects letters. Yeah. He's got four also. Yeah. But I've got the I've got the last letter that he ever wrote. So it says, "Tomorrow I leave for Texas." So wow. Yeah, so take that, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> what? Let me ask you a question about somebody we had on this show, and that's Bob Costas. Oh yeah, who's a great sport. How did you get him to say that stuff in basketball? He does it so. He does it well, so effortlessly. Yeah. Like he's he was, talking about yeah, his nipples. Yeah, he was great and then was instantly completely mortified at the movie and embarrassed. <laughs> he, was, he, was, he had the same reaction to doing this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so what did he say about baseball? He was, he was, he, you know, he was very tough on me after basketball. He was like, did nothing but, you know, rag on the movie. <laughs> but then I think... A funny thing happened. First of all, the movie, you know, kind of rose in popularity as a cult favorite. And I think his kids grew up and oh, interesting. and thought it was great. And so then their dad was a hero for being in it. And they th- and so he totally saw it in a different light. light. But he, I think when he saw it, he well, we had a joke. We had a gag when we said, and uh, Al Michaels is saying, or or Costa is saying, and everybody is on their feet, and we're panning the crowd, and then we we get to the wheelchair section, and then he says, <laughs> well, almost everyone. <laughs> well, we cut it out of the movie because Costas said, you know, my mother, he, I made the mistake of inviting him to a, one of the previews, and he said, can you cut that out because my mother is sick and in a wheelchair, so you know, so I I cut it out. So, but then, and then he hated the movie. And then Al. <laughs> he and, seems like he's having a good time. He on does. And he's great. Yeah, feel these it. nipples. He's, you watch that. He's great. And, and I remember he said he did the wrong inflection. He said, he said, uh, you're excited. Feel these nipples. And I said, no, you have to say, feel these nipples. Right. That there's a difference. Right. And he, and he, <laughs> right. he right. debated me. Me, me, who invented comedy. And so I said, Bob, trust me, this is going to be funny. And he said, and then when he saw it in the preview, he said, or when he, when he saw it, he was so embarrassed to have done that. that he, and, and he said, I said, Bob, if it doesn't get a laugh, it won't be in nothing. I will promise you, you will not bomb in this movie. <laughs> If it gets a laugh, it's going to be in. If it doesn't get a laugh, it's out. And so he interpreted that to to mean, I promised him, don't worry, we'll cut it out of the movie. So, And that got into Al Michaels' book, who said, you know, the director said, yeah, we'll cut it out. And then, of course, lied like all directors and, and Harvey Weinstein. So, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, so, then, so then he, years later, uh, he had he asked me to be on his show because he was having Kareem on the show, and I said, "Sure, I'll be on it." I mean, he didn't call me personally; his people called, and I said, "Sure, I'll do it." And then I had a conflict, so I couldn't. I had to back out of it, but it was for no reason except that I really did have a conflict. And so Jim Abrams did it, and so Jim went on and he said that Bob said. Uh, is David mad at me? You know, he was like worried that I was mad at him because <laughs> he thought I backed out because, you know, 
But but anyway, someday I will have we'll have dinner with uh, Al Michaels and Bob Costas. We'll we'll all have, we'll have a little reunion. I've I've already had a few dinners with uh, I've become friends with Al Michaels since since the whole thing. Gilbert did a play by play, uh, a, a dirty joke, and yes. Bob did uh, inter- reinterpreted it uh, in play by play style. Yes. We have we have video of this. Oh, oh, that's and Bob right. became so mortified that he got on all fours and crawled away. We really? were in the Friars Club. Yeah, I started. Oh, he was him. at the. This we, was at the Friars Club. We recorded Club. the show at the Friars oh, Club. Oh, yeah. And we have video. Was it a roast of Costas? No, 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 it was just the show. Oh, it was this show. Podcast. Oh, okay. And yeah. I started telling him some really long, dirty, disgusting joke, yeah, and, so, and he just started slowly he started to sink yeah, under I the think table. He's Catholic or something. Yeah, I think he's also concerned about his. He's very concerned about the image, and so basketball. First of all, in baseball, he neglected to read the script. The script it was always <laughs> rated R. It was always rated R. He thought he, he thought he'd breeze in there and it was gonna be another like a naked guns. But this was gonna be R. It was with Matt and Trey, and so they wanted to make it edgy. So anyways, and so he thought I had, you know, I don't know what he thought. <laughs> another another friend of ours who's been on the show was Craig Bierko. Oh yeah, I love Craig. You've done Bierko. some great stuff yeah. with in the scary yeah. movie. Funny, franchise. funny guy. I'd love to cast him in something. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of talent, and he has so he's actually funny, but can also play the straight man. So yeah. Did you yeah. see Cinderella Man, where he was the he was the heavy with Russell Crowe that Ron Howard made. That was before the uh, scary movie. Yeah, I, I think. think so. Yes, Check I it out. Did. He's very good. He's yeah. very menacing. Yeah, as Max, he's, he's great. He can do anything, and he's funny. You know, if you watch Bierko on a talk show, he's funny. He is. He's, he can go on. Whereas, you know, Leslie was funny on a talk show, but only because he brought his fart machine. Right. He brought he the, the little. Was yeah. He loved that thing. with that fart. Yeah, he, that's what he did. That was his shtick. I didn't yeah. know it went back to airplane, that he was oh, on the airplane set with that airplane. machine. airplane. Yeah, he went back to police squad at least. But he would do this thing. And then, you know, I would be on press tours with Leslie. We'd be in, like, Charlotte, North Carolina, and we'd be on an elevator. and People would recognize him in a crowded elevator. And then he would he would be very pleasant and and say hello and then fart in the elevator. <laughs> yeah. And people would get off on the first floor. They could, you, know. you, wrote, you wrote a nice tribute to him too in the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's I found out when the the uh, the Hollywood Reporter called and said, "Do you have? Can you uh, write something for us about your recollections of Leslie?" And I said, "Sure." I wait a minute. Why? And I, that was a, when I heard that he was dead. So. That's yeah. how I heard. Yeah. yeah, I remember meeting Leslie Nielsen, and he, of course, had his fart thing with yeah. him. <laughs> and and I said, "Oh, I got one of those," and it never really worked when I did it. And he goes, "Is this uh, the one you have? Is it the black rubber and the top of it's red?" And I said, "Yeah." He goes, "Oh, that's useless." <laughs> <laughs> he he was an sore. expert. He yeah. was a complete expert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He know. He knew. Yeah. Yeah. I miss him. He's he was a great guy. Yeah. Can we throw a couple of ac- other actors' names out at you sure. for fun? What was what was working with Ricardo Montalban like? Yeah, it was very nice. Yeah, he uh he was he was great. Yeah, just you know, very nice professional. Man. Professional and uh totally got it. Was no trouble at all. He he did object to one line. Uh there was one line another another prof line. Where it's like he's in a hospital at the Our Lady of the Never Had the Pickle. 
That was the that was the line. He said, "Can you please not put that in?" And we said, "Yes." You know, look, we're. Is the plot of Naked Gun the first one lifted a little bit from that Charles Bronson movie? Yeah, from Telephone. Of Telephone. Yeah, we yeah. just lifted it from Telephone, yeah. but we yeah. didn't have to buy the rights because it wasn't the entire plot. I love that. Yeah. What about one of our favorites? Right? And, and then the other part of it was. From um, Day of the Jackal. The Day of the Jackal. Yeah, That's a good movie. Tracking us. Yeah, good movies. Yeah. How about uh, one of our favorites uh, who comes up a lot on the show, Ernest Borgnine? Oh, yeah. She did basketball. Yeah, he was he was excellent. You know, by, by the time they get to be, you know, he was probably in his 80s when he did, uh, I think it was basketball. Basketball, yeah. And they can't remember lines anymore. Leslie oh, yeah. couldn't either. He, So we would do, we used to do a walk and talk, walk and talk. Yeah. Which was, you know, you, you, you track with the actors and they, they talk. And so with Leslie, it became a walk or talk. It was a, yeah. So either we, anyway, so, so with Ernie Borgnine, we, uh, you know, we, we had him just stationary, but he couldn't remember a line. I mean, they just can't, you know, you can right. imagine when you get into your, well, your seventies, I guess, um, but but he so we we had a teleprompter for him and so he he was very comfortable with that. How about Robert Vaughn, who's also in the, Robert Vaughn? He was great. Yeah, Robert Vaughn was great. They're just they were all wonderful and and so you know Robert Vaughn often you know he had a great instinct and he had it he would have it on the first take and I was always trying to chase trying to get something better so and and Matt and Trey would write down all my quotes and so. And I guess I said to Robert Vaughn that your best take is always the one before I started directing you. So, yeah. <laughs> Does it give yeah. you an extra sense of satisfaction to see these guys who you've been watching your whole life in straight roles and they've never really gotten a chance to be funny? I can't think of Robert Vaughn in a comedy. I think of him in the in, in, yeah. in Bullet. But anybody and, who's straight like that will be wonderful in a comedy. Right. Is it you particularly know, satisfying when it's they just, it's to, it's to so direct, great because to direct that make that well, happen? Well, you know, it's this, you know, it's kind of what I've called the Uberization of comedy, which, you know, Uber and Lyft is like you don't have any you don't need any skill anymore as a taxi driver. That used to that occupation used to connote skill. Like the taxi driver driver had to know where to go, he, you know, but now with uh, Waze and GPS Anybody can do that. So you get in a car and anybody can be a taxi driver now. So with an airplane, anyone could be funny. So Robert Stack, Leslie Nielsen, Robert Vaughn, Peter Graves, all these guys could be just as funny as highly skilled comics like uh, uh, Chevy Chase or Jim Carrey or Robin Williams. Interesting. And did yeah. you ever have Very to remind them... I mean, if they ever did make this mistake, did you ever have to remind them? No, no, don't, don't be funny. Yes, yeah, you, you know, when when we did the first table read for Naked Gun, Priscilla Presley was very nervous, and she said, "You know, I I don't know how to be funny." And I said, "You don't have to be funny. Uh, you just you just let the lines do the work." And that became the direction that I gave to actors most: is just let the lines do the work. And most of the people got it and just did it straight. And Priscilla was wonderful. I never had to direct her. I really, I just had to work with Leslie to, you know, on just a lot of nuances. But Leslie also got it to be absolutely straight. If you watch Airplane, you watch Lloyd Bridges' performance, 
there's a little, there's a 5% he knew he was in a comedy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so he was much better in Hot Shots. Interesting. So yeah. he learned. He learned from that. Yeah. And then also <clears throat> uh, in pre-production, Lloyd was trying to make sense out of his dialogue. He was trying to actually change his dialogue. <laughs> and we, you know, we don't care. The dialogue doesn't mean anything. And finally Stack told him, Lloyd... You know, no one's listening to us. You know, there's watermelons <laughs> dropping, yeah. the spears flying right. to the wall. Nobody cares. Right. Just keep talking. And so <laughs> Stack totally got it. Yeah. Watching Zero Hour, the thing you were referring to, where somebody actually assembled the two of them and put them back, yeah. put them next yeah. to each other. And you watch Sterling Hayden say, you know, looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. Obviously, yeah. no one will ever take that movie seriously again. No, you can't. Yeah. But, but we would take like one line. Like the guy says, it looks like I picked the wrong week to quit smoking. And then we did that, and then but we kept going. We kept, you know, sniffing upping, glue. Yeah, and, sniffing glue. Right. Well, you know, the, right. the next one was, uh, you know, drinking. And then the, I think the last one was sniffing glue. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amphetamines. Yeah. So, and it worked. It just worked. It was just, that was what we call ad absurdum. What did you mean, uh, David, when you said, uh, I hope I have this right, you said Airplane was your night at the opera and Top Secret was Duck Soup? Do you remember right. saying so this? Right, so the Marx Brothers did, but we did it in reverse order. So the Marx Brothers did uh, their funniest movie, which was Duck's, Duck Soup, uh, but it was a flop at the box office because there was, if you go back and watch it, it was just like Top Secret. Very funny all the way through, but no character, no arc, no act structure. It's just anarchy. It's just anarchy. Yeah. and. Because of that, there's no ending, and audiences uh, subconsciously attach a lot of importance to the ending, and the ending is literally 50% of a movie. And so what happened was that uh, that was their la- the Marx Brothers' last Paramount movie, yeah. and they were, they were finished. They were kicked out of Paramount because Duck Soup flopped. Of course, now we have no idea. This is just one of the funniest classic movies ever. And then uh, Chico was playing cards with uh, Irving Thalberg, mm-hmm. who was the head of MGM. And he was saying, well, you know, they can't get arrested. They can't get a deal. And Thalberg said, you know, you guys can make, you know, twice the money with half the jokes. And Chico said, what? You know, they didn't know anything. Uh, and so Thalberg got them, you know, good writers like uh, uh, Maury Rizkind and uh, George S. Kaufman and they did a three-act structure, and they did Night at the Opera. And so we did just the opposite. We did Airplane because we copied the structure of a uh, Arthur Haley movie, Zero Hour, which mm-hmm. had a very fine uh, story and plot and characters. And, uh, and so it worked fine. And then we did Top Secret, which was just a joke book. So you did it in reverse order. We did it in reverse, That's yeah. interesting. You know, it's, we've talked about uh, the, the Paramount films and the MGM films a lot on this show, yeah. and Gilbert and I are of the school, and it's, it's, it's almost disappointing in a way that, that Night at the Opera was the more successful film because it's not really the—it's not the funnier film. Well— Certainly not. Yeah, it's, it is very funny, but, you know, the, uh, you know of course, Animal Crackers and— uh, and uh, oh, Horse Feathers. Monkey Business, Horse Feathers yeah. are great. Yeah. And, and of course, Duck Soup, and then and then they do Night at the Opera, which was their most successful movie. And then Thalberg dies, and then and then they did Day at the Races, right? Which really was terrible. Yeah, it, or it was yeah. half terrible. It's a, it's a sharp and decline. And after that, it Rock was bottom. terrible. Rock bottom. Yeah, they're Rock the lost. Bottom. 
at the circus go west. Yeah, the it big was in room service. The big, terrible movies. They're yeah. un. They're really unwatchable yeah. and sad. Yeah. But Night at the Opera, I felt like Spiel and the Spielberg, a Thalberg, Thalberg, put them on a leash. Uh, Night at the Opera. Yeah. But I don't. I think within that Night at the Opera, in those scenes, they were fine. They're I mean, great. It was great. They're a little bit in service to the love story, which is what we object to. But the way that it should be, that's the way it should be, because movies are an hour and a half, and you have to tell a story. You have to satisfy the audience. You can't leave the audience hanging. It's just that's the nature of that art form, and it's different than TV. In TV, you don't need that. You can do half-hour bites or, or whatever. You don't need to do that. But in, in a movie, that's why the bar is higher for a movie. You have to, you have to tell a story. You have to, you, have to do, you have to check all these boxes, and it's, it's really it's harder than TV. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm about out of cards, Gil. You got something else for this no. for this man? No. I do want to ask about. I had nothing to ask I, him when he came in. <laughs> yeah, and so I have. I have no shortage of stories and verbiage, These but uh, as you can see, Gil, I think yeah. Gilbert did want to ask you about. You did a series called HUD or HUD. HUD. Wanted yeah. To ask you about working with Theodore Bikel. Right. Well, that's yeah. That's uh, after I did basketball. Of course, you know, after a flop, you're you're in director jail. So my partner, Gil Netter, got us a deal at NBC to do television. And that was in 2000. And so we did a, we did a pilot called HUD, which was a secret agent movie, which was, and HUD stood for the Department of Housing and Urban Development. <laughs> so it's like, and the premise was that the the CIA, NSA, FBI had were in this in this media age had become too public, and they couldn't keep any anything secret. So they needed some kind of obscure and useless agency like HUD to be the real secret agency. So we did that, and uh, and we need to cast the lead, and so. We couldn't find a lead, but finally they showed me this one guy who was great. And so we cast him and because he had been on the uh, correspondent on The Daily Show. And the pilot was great, but they they didn't – NBC didn't pick up the series. With Steve Corrin on that. It was that. Steve – Steve Corrin was the, my co-writer. Right, right, right. Yeah. Friend, who's a friend of Dara's. Oh, yeah. yeah. Steve Corrin's great. Yeah. yeah. And very funny. And then – and so – the NBC didn't pick up the pilot because who was this? The lead was Steve Carell, and who the hell was Steve Carell? So it never got made. Well, how was Theodore Bikel? Theodore Bikel was great. I had actually met him. At, at, of, I had met him years before, at of all places, the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> and Theodore Bikel was he in know, the grotto? Uh, yeah, not in the grotto, but it was uh, alongside uh, uh, Wilt Chamberlain, and you know all these. <laughs> Will Chamberlain going around trying to get girls' phone numbers. You know, they wouldn't give him his phone number. He said, "Just give me three digits." <laughs> <laughs> Insanity. So we're waiting for. I met Theodore Bikel, and uh, so I thought of him when we did this. So I and my parents were big fans uh-huh. of Theodore Bikel, a fiddler, fiddler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I cast him in this, and he was great. Very nice fellow. And then. And during it, and my mom and dad came out to visit, and I invited Theodore Bikel and his son to dinner. 
at our wow. house. And so we had we had dinner with Theodore. What Bikel. did we learn about so Theodore nice. Bikel on Sweet. this show? There was something interesting that came up that he had this other, he had this uh, this other life. In secret, he's a neo-Nazi, evidently. <laughs> <laughs> You've probably been asked this a thousand times, David, but I'm going to ask it. Was there some gag or some bit in Airplane that you had to lose that you loved? Or did everything, 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 everything that was funny, in? What, and of course, you yeah. took it out to colleges, right? You tested it? Yeah, we tested it at colleges. And, you know, there were things that were cut out. I mean, that's why, you know, uh, Deleted scenes in comedies are I never know, any I, good. It's no, stupid. It's true. Why? Why you? De- they're deleted because they weren't funny. It's so true. why would you go? Oh boy, I'm going to see these. I went through Carell's series, The Office, and they have lots of deleted, deleted scenes. scenes. You watch them, and invariably yeah, you say, why "I see why they the, cut it." But even the even the outtakes of comedies are stupid because what do they do? They they forget a line and people laugh. What's funny about that? I yeah. I always hated yeah. that. Why do the they do that comedies. at the end of comedies? Stupid. Yeah. And they they did they did that in being there, which is supposed to be dramatic ending. Oh yeah, yeah. And and it's then it's all cracking up on the outtakes. Set. Yeah. So yeah, they crack up. They forget a line and they think it's funny. I don't know. I don't get it. My favorite gag in Airplane, I have to tell you, is is uh, yes, birds too. Oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yes, birds too. <laughs> Which <Yeah>. is just <laughs> one of those things where you don't want to dissect the frog and I, you don't want to explain why it's funny. I don't think. Yeah, I don't know just, if they they if, if even the if it gets a laugh. I don't know, but it's like one of these great. things. Yes, birds too. <laughs> and the other great. The other one of my favorite gags is it says uh, stewardess, can you face some un- unpleasant facts? And she says no. And then he keeps going. He just ignores it. He goes on. <laughs> she says, no. Also very subtle sight gags. Like there's the bulletins from around the world. Yeah. And there's the guy with the drums. The guy, drums. Oh, and, and they do the cut. And, and, the, the, camera and the camera. to the other camera. And the yeah, other camera. plays a yeah. different yeah. drum. Yeah. Which is just <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. no stone unturned. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a perfect well, film. Yeah, thank you. It's a perfect People film. People do say that every time they see it, they see you know, gags that they missed. So, well, it's like Young Frankenstein nice. and Blazing Saddles, and even even a film like The Godfather, which is we talk about films that come on the television, you absolutely have to you, watch you them. You get stuck. You're compelled. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's Midway. Have you ever watched Midway? You oh, just You just Henry get Fonda? stuck. Yeah, Henry Fonda and yeah, Glenn Ford, yeah. Uh, Charlton Heston. I just get stuck watching it. But I'm I'm happy to say I know a lot of people that consider Airplane to be one of those movies. Oh, I'm just cannot... very proud of that. Yes, <laughs> if you get stuck, yes. Yeah, I work with Whoopi at the View, and she is constantly quoting Airplane. Whoopi so, uh, Goldberg. Goldberg. Yeah, oh, I know okay. she's a friend. I know she's tied yeah, with she's Jerry. Yeah, she's a friend of Jerry. But yeah. she she loves that film. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, uh, more than life itself, and just constantly quoting it. And there's another actress who was quoting it and was on Maya Rudolph. Maya Rudolph, yeah, yes. She just went on Kimmel and did a... She did a whole thing. She did the whole black jive. She did thing. the whole yeah. jive thing. She yeah. knew the whole thing. On the yeah. Jimmy yeah. Kimmel yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Well? Well? I think that killed the conversation. It's about 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one mention of Kimmel and, they were, and we're done. I'm sorry, Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that was I about guess. twenty cards worth of questions. Yes. <laughs> I think well, we, thank you. This was this was fun. This, we yeah. covered a lot. Okay, what do you, what do you got so. in the, let's talk about quick plugs. You, oh. What do you got in the pipeline? Anything well, to talk um, about? Um, I wrote a movie. You know, we wrote a great film noir uh, parody called "The Star of Malta," 
And so that's, that's, you know, we've had that for a while. Of course, you know, it's hard to raise money for anything. And, uh, and, and but but now we're writing a, a script to Naked Gun 444 and a quarter. Nordberg did it, so that's that's what we're <laughs> now. Oh, wow. And, we're, and we're, we're almost done with that. <laughs> we're we're going to bring it into Paramount. Paramount has no idea this is coming, but I yeah I'm just torn from the headlines. Yeah, torn so from to the speak. headlines. Yeah, and and there's a part for Nordberg in it. Yes, he's <laughs> driving an Uber in the Bronco. <laughs> we can ask you a million other things, David, but in the interest of time, this has been fascinating. Oh, I'm glad. And an education. Okay. So, I'm Gilbert Gottfried. This has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santopadre. And we uh, have been uh, interviewing a guy who's brought us some of the funniest movies ever made, David Zucker. Thank you, David. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Are you going to promo the next one right now? <laughs> you know, Bob you Costas coming up. You didn't give him shit. You, you, you've been known to do, uh, you know, uh, very famous filmmakers who have not used you. Yeah. Like that. We yes. had Barry Levinson on the show. Oh, really? And Gilbert uh, yes. uh, abused him for not casting him. So you let David off the hook. And actually, <laughs> Barry Levinson has done things where he uses comics yes. in his movies. Yes. yes. Gilbert. I only use, you know, straight guys, but, yeah. So... So Barry Levinson goes out of his way not to. Oh, well, right, yeah. So I, I, I haven't really gone out of my excuse. way. I just think the garden variety. I'm not using you. Oh yeah. 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 So yeah, it's just like offhand. It's like yeah, you don't need to be insulted by that. Yeah. This was a kick, David. Thanks. Sure. So much fun. Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal Podcast is produced by Dara Gottfried and Frank Santapadre with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Our researchers are Paul Rayburn and Andrea Simmons. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to John Murray, John Fodiatis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance.